Greetings, Khalid. Today, I uh, posted a video both on my Discord, where, I, where someone actually manages that thing, which surprises me, and on Mastodon, because, well, um, the war has given us a new martyr. A video started circulation online around 6th of March with a, uh, a man, which we now know, at least so far as we know, his name was Timofey Mikolaevich Shadura. And uh, he's obviously, um, in the video, is shown to be a, a prisoner of war, <laughs> captured apparently in February of 3rd, because, you know, he was captured at the time around Bakhmut, and he had been missing since, and according to the background of the video, it seems that, well, the events happened then. And he's just shown being wounded and smoking a cigarette, and and someone just uh, basically show, basically yells from the background some... Someone from the Russian forces, I don't know whether it's Wagner or mobilized or whatever, but uh, a lot of people say it's demobilized, but, you know, who knows. And and they say start filming him and whatever. And then he just turns to the camera and says, Glory to Ukraine. Slavo Ukraine. And then salvos of automatic weapons from multiple sides are just there, and he's being shot in the head with them, and he collapses. The Russian voices in the background are are just saying, Die, bitch. You know. This is so weird because... Yeah. He's become a martyr of sorts and a symbol of this war once again. However, this has caused massive, massive things because this is blatant and awful and evil. and And the Z channels are obviously, you know, some are saying that, yeah, you know, this is great, let's kill the Ukrainians, and other ones are stating that this is a whole provocation or whatever, but this is just... This is just so stupid and, and evil once again. This is a man that, you know, shouldn't be forgotten because he's there, and... Um, that's one of the more... One of the more rough and still touching... Touching videos of, of, of this war and everything. It's pretty bad when when I looked at it, but um, hey, if you go, you if you have the nerve for it, sorry, my voice is still a bit uh, reeking of this whole situation. If you have the nerve for it, well, um, please do go to my my Mastodon, just Eastern Border Podcast Mastodon. Google that one up, you'll find it. The links to Mastodon are just a bit crazy, so and I've kind of lost all hope of ever going back to Twitter. So uh, that's another thing. I do, by the way, have an, an idea, because I, a long, long time ago, I think, I made a personal Twitter account, which hadn't been used since forever, which isn't blocked, if only I can remember the old email that I used it for, but, uh not putting a lot of, lot of effort on it. Still, besides Timothy Shadura, and how he's added up to all these symbols of everything, you still have news about things that are going on in this war and what's happening. Number one thing, though, um, which is up to, well, by this time, funny uh, assassination studies. Yeah, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to bring one, one of these. It's kind of interesting that these things continue. You see, Moscow researcher who helped to create the Sputnik V vaccine against COVID was... Uh, reportedly killed in a domestic dispute. 
Andrei Botvikov, one of the creators, was reportedly killed in northwest Moscow during a <clears throat> domestic dispute. He was an employee of Moscow's Gamaleya National Center for Epidemiology and Micro- Microbiology. And uh, apparently a 29-year-old guest had argued with um, Botnikov about something and then strangled him with a belt. And obviously, well, um, no one really knows what's up and, and who's involved in the situation. Just, just yet more weird assassinations and weird stories about this whole mess. On uh, other news that might interest people, and I don't want to kind of put this in front a lot because this might be very weird, but, um, well, I have to report this one. Kazakh journalist Amat Matyanov reported, citing his own personal sources, that uh, head of Chechnya, Ramzan Kadyrov, you know, old Don Don Kadyrov guy, might actually be terminally ill with severe kidney problems. Matyanov wrote on his telegram... There is information that the chief nephrologist of the UAE, Dr. Yajin Ibrahim El-Shahat, a well-known doctor with 30 years of experience, has arrived in Grozny. His area of expertise lies in nephrology, dialysis, transplantation... Uh, very weird words that I can't pronounce right now, and, and renal failure in medical terms. In short, kidney stuff. Kadyrov is allegedly very bad and uh, has serious kidney problems. According to Ahmed Zakayev, the representative of the Ichkerian cabinet in exile, Kadyrov is ill and has already become a drag addict. He claims that some sort of ener- some kind of energy pills previously supported the overactivity of the head of Chechnya. According to other sources cited by Matyanov, Kadyrov was poisoned. Therefore, he does not trust Moscow doctors. And due to the illness, according to the journalist, because of this, Kadyrov was not at Putin's annual address at the Kremlin where basically everyone who was everyone had to attend. Which is interesting because Kadyrov truly was at the forefront of everything. Uh, at, at everything together with Prigozhin, and they were mentioned together, but if you have noticed, there have been no mentions of Kadyrovci or his forces for a while now. He's been lost somewhere, and all the pictures that we have of him are a bit shady and, and shaking and weird, and he looked very, very, very strange. And Ramzan Kadyrov, of course, is not a loved man, and he's a very dumb man, but, um, well, he was hated in Chechnya, he still is hated in Chechnya, and who knows, who knows how this whole thing goes down. If, if uh, someone from U- UAE listens to my show, or Saudi Arabia or that region, for example, because I know that some of you actually do, then uh, maybe you have comments on this. Please do comment on our website, theeasternborder.lv, about this situation. That's, that's interesting. Oh, and while I'm on this subject, uh, yeah, just, just wanted to advertise a little something that does not sponsor me, but uh, which I found interesting. Um, if you can go to Netflix, there's, and if you can see it, there's actually a Saudi Arabian animated comedy show for adults. It's obviously no South Park, because it's Saudi, but it's kind of representative of the conflicts in that region. So, while we're on sort of ish, the subject, it's called Masamir County, and uh, hey, I like non-European shows and non-Japanese shows and everything that pops up, and that shows Saudi internal conflict between their liberalizing attitudes towards everything. One of the very few things that, you know, probably doesn't get enough attention in the West, and I thought, hey, might as well recommend it at this point. 
<sighs> Back to the heavy subjects. Another thing that ties this whole thing together with Ramzan and everything is the fact that um, a stallion, which is perpetually owned by Ramzan Kadyrov, was stolen from a private stable in, Chechen, in Czech Republic's Krabice municipality. Quote, the 16-year-old throughbred nicknamed Zazu, worth $18,000, disappeared from the stable in the night before March 4th, reported the local media. The Czech police has confirmed the fact of the animal's disappearance. Detectives think that the thief removed the safety chain from the sliding barn door and led the horse away. Zizci, a Czech publication covering horsemanship and races, writes that Kadyrov had purchased Zazu in 2012 and then brought him to Krabice, Krabčice, sorry, from Dubai. In 2014, Zazu became part of Kadyrov's sanctioned European property. In March 2022, the local media reported another attempt to take Zazu from the stable, together with a second Kadyrov-owned horse. About a month before Russia invaded Ukraine, two Russian-speaking men came to the barn, claiming they had to move the horses to Poland. After the barn owner refused to cooperate, they spent five days cramping their tra- camping in their trailer not far from the barn. Well, you know, maybe Kadyrov is... Very ill with his kidneys, but uh, seems that he still likes his equestrian hobbies. And, uh, well, talking about hobbies, there are now reports that the Wagner Group has, have um, opened at least three recruitment centers at Russian sports clubs in Rostov-on-Don, which is, by the way, right next to Ukraine, Samara and Tumen. Wagner Group itself reports that it has launched eight recruitment centers at sports clubs in Moscow. Now, our old buddy Prigozhin, cursed, cursed be his name and, uh, you know, all the other nice knees, announced on March the 2nd that the private military company would collaborate with sports clubs. He added that the gyms could verify the physical fitness of those wanting to join Wagner Group. And, uh, well, Institute for Study of War and literally everyone else whom Institute of Study of War is using and not really pointing any, um, you know... Sources and anything, they didn't do that. <laughs> it's because uh, of the impediments to recruiting among prisoners. On March the 3rd, of course, Prigozhin stated that the Russian authorities had barred Wagner Group from recruiting prisoners. And uh, according to media reports, Russian Ministry of Defense is now recruiting prisoners directly. You know, just because Wagner Group and Prigozhin are uh, somewhat on bad terms with uh, this whole situation. And I think it's because of the upcoming elections. This is an interesting situation, since a lot of Russian liberal opposition is also thinking that election that is coming next year is still going to have to have something happening there. Because right now Putin kind of needs to run this election to at least prove some legitimacy, but he can't allow any real candidates to happen. Interestingly enough, an observation can be made that the ultra-patriots like Girkin and his buddies are now going through in Russia... Well, uh, what what liberal opposition actually went through many years ago and how what the, what they've been through all this time. Sort of a full cycle. And Girkin at this point, by the way, is not even hiding his own political ambitions. This, by the way, makes me think more and more that someone with some connections and power is standing behind the man because when Prigozhin, a much more powerful man, a much, much richer man, started pointing out his own political ideas, he was put down very quickly. And Girkin is with his 800,000 followers on Telegram, you know, could actually be a bit dangerous about these true patriots and everything, and he's kind of openly preparing to take power and not let, you know, any liberals take over after Putin loses. He still hopes for victory, but 
he's turned into a complete doomer. And you know, his doom and gloom still still have reasons. Because once again, we have yet another yet another video from draftees, conscripts of the Russian army. This time it comes from Belograd. These guys serving in the Territorial Defense Unit for Russia's Belograd region posted a video to Telegram late Monday that they were forced to join an assault brigade from the Donetsk People's Republic and sent to the front without appropriate training. According to the soldiers, their unit was previously stationed in the border village of Shebenyko, but in early March they were redeployed to the self-proclaimed DNR with no orders or explanations. The draftees alleged that they, were, they arrived in occupied Ukraine, their military IDs were taken by militiamen from the DNR. After that, they say they were sent to storm villages with no training until about their targets or means of communication. The men say in the clip that their platoon has already suffered casualties. They know that they're not refusing to perform their assigned tasks. No one is doing that because they don't want to go to jail, which is like 15 years or something. But that they only want to do so as part of the Russian armed forces rather than with the DNR army, which technically also should be part of the Russian armed forces. Meanwhile in the news, also what was happening is that there is now a very clear law that now prohibits everyone in Russia to actually, you know, denounce anyone who fights in this special military operation. That includes Wagner Group. And uh, yeah, seriously, fuck those guys. I have no personal hatred towards them as well, you know. But uh, this puts everything in an interesting situation, as another opposition journalist from Russia now puts it, Ilya Verlamov, to be more specific. You know, what happens now, because of the whole conflict situation, is that... Remember the early days of Bakhmut and early days of other villages, when Prigozhin claims that it was him and Wagner Group that took over some territory, and then it got denounced by the Ministry of Defense, who also claimed that Wagner Group had nothing to do with it. So now... If you're a Russian citizen living in Russia, what happens is that if you agree with the Ministry of Defense, you can be sued by Prigozhin and go to prison for 15 years for basically discrediting Wagner Group. But if you support Wagner Group, then the same can be done by Ministry of Defense, which is another paradoxical situation, which would be paradoxical and interesting if, you know, we wouldn't be living in a world where, in the Russian Federation, you can just basically go to prison for anything possible that authorities want you to go to prison to. Fun times, everyone. But in total, to wrap this whole situation up about something that's actually happening on the front lines, well, you see, seems that the strategy... Everyone thought that Bakhmut would be abandoned very quickly by the, by the Ukrainian troops, because, yeah, Raspustitsa is there. Raspustitsa is the part where the snow melts and everything is, like, slushy and the roads turn into complete soft mush. Listen to my Holodomor episode, then I speak about Raspustitsa and the whole, you know, soil there in Ukraine back then. But the thing is that it seems that Ukrainians are still using their roads and everything, and that as soon as they mentioned that they'd be leaving and that they'd be retreating, Wagner Group heavily overextended themselves. This includes the first wave attacks, which are just there, as I have mentioned previously on this show, just to basically uh, test out where the machine gun nests are. And then, you know, these guys go in unarmed and, and basically with without any armor, they just, you know, go out there, die, and their death, someone spots where... Where the Ukrainians are, and then those positions get get shelled. Well, apparently this has given out a massive cost to the to the Wagner Group and everyone. And now, as far as I know, there is now another interesting sneaky plan when the Ukrainian top brass about how Wagner Group could be crushed as a military force. Situation's getting more and more interesting. Of course, we will be following this as usual, as always. 
But uh, that's it for today. Thank you, everyone, for supporting me. Again, massive thanks to all of my Patreons and people who have helped me out in these hard times. And once again, to all the people from who, who have come here from Heaton's political orphanage, all of you are the best, and, and, and I think we have a great fr- friendship be- be- between our podcasts. I think I should get him on sometime together with History Impossible and Secret Police and Advent of Computing. He's been a great guy, too, and, and all that stuff. But yeah, if you want to support the show, please consider becoming our patron on patreon.com slash border, or just click the donate button on theeasternborder.lv, where you also can listen to the show without ads. We have also fixed the stream of Patreon, you know, if so if you can, like, just click the private RSS stream and then you can get Patreon updates over there. Hope that helps for some people. So uh, here's the hoping that we'll have better and more news very soon. So, do svidanja, tovarishi. And as always, happiness is mandatory.